Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. Well, you and I, Captain, and certainly most of you listening out there, we've just gotten Hamas all wrong. We've, we've gotten it all wrong about Hamas. I'm going to set it straight. I'm going to let you know what CNN and Barack Obama know that we don't. Hamas, contrary to what you may believe based on the fact that they just paraglided into Israel, slaughtered a thousand innocent civilians, uh, beheaded children, and of course took over 200 hostages with them back into Gaza, into their tunnels. Well, you may think that that would exemplify an action of a terrorist organization, but in fact, Hamas are actually the good guys. They're so humane. They're so compassionate. That's right. Hamas is synonymous with humanitarianism. They give their hostages tampons. Did you hear about this? CNN, I've got so many clips to play. I, I, we have to get into the rampant anti-Semitism of the left. If you are still hanging on to the Democrat Party, it's time to let them go, unless you too are a neo-Nazi. That's true. So CNN, cue up that cut actually, Captain, cut one. This is a longer clip. Keep an eye on me, Captain. I might cut it off at some point. It's a little over two minutes. I may decide to play the whole thing. But I, I just, it, it's incredible. I mentioned this in the last episode, but it's almost as if Hamas never attacked Israel. It's almost as, as if that never happened. You would never know that that happened based on the left-wing anti-Semitic reporting by Democrats in the media. And this is mainstream. They are taking the side of Hamas. They're doing everything they can to defend Hamas and attack Israel. And you don't see this type of thing happening between Russia and Ukraine, by the way. When it comes to Russia, Ukraine, which is, by the way, far more complex than what's happening between Hamas and Israel. That one's pretty black and white. Hamas wants to wipe Jews off the face of the earth, as does Iran. It's very simple. They want death to Israel. That's it. That's what they stand for. And most of the Palestinians agree with that notion. They hate the Jews also. So they may not have paraglided in themselves, but I can guarantee you they were jubilant over the massacre committed by Hamas. There's a big lie out there that, you know, the Palestinian people are not Hamas. Well, yeah, technically that may be true. Hamas is the government. They don't have elections there, kind of like the United States of America. We don't have elections anymore either, right? We just have the Democrats who rigged them and steal them. So I don't know what the big, you know, what, what, what the point is here. But, um, but the Palestinians are groomed, indoctrinated to hate the Jewish people. So they believe this as well. Captain, get that uh, timer going for me if you don't mind. And, um, but I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I always hesitate to use this as a figure of speech because part of me actually cannot believe it, but part of me can totally believe it. But I want you to hear CNN. I, I mean, just, just, just think about this again. Not long ago, Hamas paraglided into Israel during a music festival and shot, murdered over a thousand innocent people. They beheaded babies and they took over 200 individuals hostage. That happened. That's real. As real as the Holocaust, but of course the same people that would deny that are the same people that would deny the Holocaust. But that just happened. And you have CNN doing everything it can to pretend that Hamas are the good guys. Listen to this clip, Captain. I could not believe my ears. If you haven't heard this, Captain, I, I don't know. Let, you let me know afterwards. Go ahead and play it. You know, also, Poppy, something stand out in their the mundane necessity, right? You're talking about tunnels. We know these tunnels have ventilation. We know that they've been known to have air conditioning. They've got, this has all been reporting that we've heard from the Israelis over the years. But the fact that she's saying she was held underground for more than two weeks, 
um, that there was shampoo, there was antibiotics, there was a guard per hostage in the experience she had, uh, that there were medics and paramedics, and obviously she is elderly, the other woman who was released also elderly and had medical needs, and that they had the medicine needed, and if not, something uh, similar to replace it. Um, it is pretty stunning, because you've got to contrast that with what's happening above the ground, right? Where there isn't water, never mind shampoo, okay? They don't have water. They're using toilet water. There is no morphine for any kind of uh, amputations. Antibiotics, no, right? But Hamas had stockpiled all of that and has all of that underground, and that's what we're learning from her. Yeah, and to that point, Aaron, and I want to play the sound from her on this, because it gets at just how prepared they were for taking hostages, including at the scale that they took them. Take a listen. They looked very well prepared. They prepared it for a long period of time. All of the needs for female, for, that women needs, shampoo, conditioner. Did that surprise you? I know everyone was surprised by the scale of the actual terror attack itself, but the preparations for hostage taking also seemed to be a significant piece of the plan. Yes, when they say prepared for things, women's needs, okay, they were therefore prepared. I mean, let's just, just go ahead. I think we've been honest about it. That means they had tampons and things, okay? That is a level of preparation for what they were going to do. Right. And it shows that they were going to take people of all different ages. Right. It shows a preparation for that. And, you know, we saw that in the plans. Captain sent me a note. He says, uh, where do I sign up for this vacation? I, and he makes a great point. The way they're talking about on CNN is like, please, you got a five star resort. You, too, could be capt captured by Hamas and you would have the, the you know, have uh, a high quality of life. I mean, I, I just am shocked by that. I mean, a couple points here. I mean, for, so apparently they have tampons. They're giving tampons to the hostages. And that in some way makes these people not barbarians. This somehow negates what they just did in Israel and what they've done in the past and what they continue to do. Tampons. And by the way, shampoo and everything. Who, who else is living down there in these tunnels? Why do they act like this is exclusively for the, the hostages? You think Hamas doesn't want to take a shower down there? They're living down there. So the fact that they, they want to report this like, oh, they were really prepared. They had yeah. And then here they go off. Man, the level of preparedness for these hostages. You know, they had tampons down there in these tunnels that are well ventilated, as the Israelis have told us in the past. Yeah, well, how about the preparation to go in and paraglide and slaughter a thousand people and then go through the neighborhoods and slaughter additional civilians and to behead children? How about that preparation? No mention of that. Only, oh, look at these Hamas. You know, they were really prepared to take these hostages and treat them so well. By the way, it does sound like Hamas is treating the hostages that they have in their possession better than the American guards treated American citizens and the D.C. gulags. Isn't that an interesting thing to note here, Captain? Hamas apparently is treating their hostages better than we treated the quote-unquote J6 prisoners. What do you want to make of that? And, and, and you notice the effort there, right? She says, well, you know, there's a big difference between what's happening below ground and above ground. Below ground, there's water. There's all these things. High quality of life, vacation, five-star hotel, but above ground. The ground, it's a different story. People are using toilet water because of those damn dirty Jews. That's why, that's what she's saying. It's really sick, really perverted, these people. So, look, uh, you know, they're not, CNN's not the only one to, and uh, by the way, the timing of CNN and then pushing this narrative and Barack Obama, who came out sympathetic with Hamas, of course, as well. I'll get into him in just a second. That guy needs to go away. But of course he's not because he's running the shadow government. But he had to insert himself because Barack Hussein Obama, who of course is the, you know, the gay Muslim who pretends to be a straight Christian, um, well, he's the leader of anti-Semitism on the left. And I'm serious when I say the gay Muslim. That, that's what he really actually is. But anyway, you know, whatever. Drew, you can't say that. Oh, uh, really? Really? Bra uh, but, but, you know, Donald Trump, he's uh, Adolf Hitler. No, 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 I, I can say uh, uh, Barack Hussein Obama is a gay mother. There's more evidence of that than evidence that Donald Trump or MAGA supporters are terrorists. 
so shove it up your pie hole. And, you know, let me do it. Let's, so a, a couple of things just to point out here, Captain. This is crazy. Do you remember, when was this? Um, I think, so May of 2021, you may recall that the office that the Associated Press used in Gaza, well, it was destroyed by Israeli airstrikes. Does that ring a bell to anybody? May of 2021, there was this story. A office building in Gaza was blown up by a retaliatory strike from Israel. And it turned out that they attacked the building because Hamas was operating an office out of this building. And lo and behold, the AP had used this office building for 15 years and they were next door to Hamas. So for all these years, the Associated Press was actually working next to the terrorists in the same building on the same floor, I believe. So they knew that they were working right there by Hamas. And so it's no surprise that the Associated Press will not let any of its reporters call Hamas a terrorist organization. So the Associated Press instructs reporters and organizations that rely on its style guide to avoid referring to Hamas as a terrorist organization And the news outlet states in its Israel-Hamas topical guide that because terrorism and terrorists have become politicized and often are applied inconsistently, the AP is not using the terms for specific actions or groups. I got to go back through. I wonder if the AP has ever referred to MAGA as terrorists. Certainly the Biden administration has. Terms such as Hamas fighters, attackers, or combatants are acceptable depending on the context. Depending on the context. I mean, our own State Department, shockingly, does recognize that both Hamas and Hezbollah are terrorist organizations. But the AP won't do it. Just like Barack Obama. You know, Barack Obama that wouldn't say, you know, Islamo-Nazis, wouldn't say radical Islam, wouldn't say anything against it. Because you just can't do that. But the AP is not the only one that is pro-terrorist, anti-American, anti-Israel, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine. The New York Times is also a pro-terrorist rag. The New York Times just admitted that it relied on Hamas sources to blame Israel for the Gaza hospital attack, right? And I likened that a few episodes ago to hands up, don't shoot. And now the, the whole... Uh, George Floyd thing, too. I mean, Tucker came out with this thing. Now, look, uh, it, w- it was great what Tucker did. W- we knew most of this to be true. Um, he had some additional evidence that he added to it. But we knew from the beginning of the toxicology reports that George Floyd had lethal levels of fentanyl in his system. Lethal means deadly. So the idea that the whole media rushed to tell this lie that Derek Chauvin was responsible, that he actually murdered George Floyd, was never true. And I cannot actually think, Captain, of a single conservative who did not bend the knee on the Derek Chauvin, George Floyd, left-wing narrative. Even the GOAT, Captain, the greatest of all time, Rush Limbaugh himself, bent the knee on that story. And I hope no one out there thinks I am attacking the great late Rush Limbaugh. I am not at all. My point is that the forces that pushed that race narrative were so powerful and strong that even our strongest conservative voices and those with the most fortified minds in this war caved. And, you know, uh, Rush did this interview. He tried to reach across the aisle before he passed away. And he went on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne of the God. And they got into this conversation. And, you know, of course, Rush is trying to be magnanimous and, and, and genteel and, and really make some headway with these people that are, get everything wrong. 
the indoctrinated people that think that you know the the Barack Obama race narrative and left narrative is true that all white people are simply you know guilty of the sins of white Democrats in the past who promoted slavery and racism. But you know, I remember Rush going on that show even and 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 you know saying, "Man, it was horrible what happened. It was terrible what Derek Chauvin did." You know, so my so everyone went with this narrative. And it turns out, again, that it wasn't true. That George Floyd died because of the fentanyl. And the left did everything they could to cover that up to prevent that narrative from being out there. So anyway, this is the same thing. So the New York Times, as soon as the hospital, and it wasn't even blown up, they exaggerated. It was a Hamas that was telling them the information. It was all wrong, it turned out. Well, before anybody could get any evidence, before anyone could actually assess what actually happened, the New York Times immediately what? They, they published Hamas propaganda. So the New York Times admitted it relied too heavily on claims by Hamas. Now, why would you rely on Hamas as a source of reporting, Captain? Why would you choose Hamas over Israel or even U.S. intelligence? Not that anybody's trustworthy anymore. Everybody's got an agenda. But for God's sake, you're going to go with Hamas? I mean, Hamas just goes over their terrorist organization and you're going to rely on what Hamas is telling you to publish a story? What does that tell you about the New York Times? So the Times released a statement on Monday, five days after running its fake news headline from Hamas, which read, Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. The Times' initial accounts attributed the claim of Israeli responsibility to Palestinian officials and noted that the Israeli military said it was investigating the blast. The editor's note said, however, the early versions of the coverage and the prominence it received in a headline, news alert, and social media channels relied too heavily on claims by Hamas and did not make clear that those claims could not immediately be verified. So in other words, the New York Times didn't verify anything. They just ran with a Hamas narrative because they hate the Jews and they hate Israel and they're pro-terrorist and pro-Hamas. If you have a subscription in the New York Times, get rid of it. Stop reading this rag. This is incredible to me. So, you know, they, they, they ran a story saying that 471 people died in this attack on the hospital, which, of course, was inflicted by Hamas. They blew up their own hospital, but they didn't even blow up the whole hospital. The death toll, not that it's good that anyone died, was between 100 to 300 people, and then a European official put the toll at 50 or less. So they just run with this 471 number for their reporting because they want to push a false narrative. The state of journalism in America, I mean, everyone said it, it's been said a long time, that it's dead. It's dead. It is in the mainstream, if you will. So uh, the gay first gay Muslim president, Barack Obama, he had to put his two cents in and pile on. And I would remind you that it's no coincidence that all of these efforts by people like Barack Obama and the media to defend Hamas and try and portray them as humane. They're coming right as and after, as a response to Israel releasing the footage that was captured by Hamas body cam of what they did to the Israelis. So they shared that with journalists to show what barbaric subhuman savages Hamas is. And so to counteract the reality that Hamas should be wiped off the face of the earth because they're evil terrorists, well, you have to have Barack Obama and the media now counter that and try and humanize Hamas. There's no humanizing Hamas. I'm sorry. You want to humanize Adolf Hitler? He, he was a person. Oh, he's very complex, don't you know? Hitler, uh, he had relationships. He had friendships. He was a human being. He ate and pooped like everybody else. And he also led a genocide against Jews. So the key phrase from, you know, no, Obama, 
whether he wrote this himself or not. Now, he tried to disguise his anti-Semitic sentiments by doing what they all do, by initially saying, you know, Israel has a right to defend itself, right? And then they say, but, but, yes, yeah, yeah, it's terrible what Hamas did, but what Israel's doing is worse. It's like, yeah, you have a right to bear arms. There's a second amendment, but, but we need to take those guns away because it's 2024, almost. Yes, you have a right to free speech, but, but we don't think you do. Barack Obama. Yeah, I, I'm a, you know, I can't remember if he said, I'm, I'm a free speech absolutist, but, or he says, you know, I, I'm not a free speech absolutist. I want to be a free speech absolutist. Like, I, I want to believe in the Constitution. I want to support these rights. But, you know, I'm a dictator, so uh, F off with your rights. So Barack Obama starts off saying, you know, what someone with a sane, rational mind who didn't hate Jews would say, uh, that they have every right to respond to Hamas. But now, now notice he doesn't ever really condemn Hamas. He never really takes issue with what they've done. It's always just to say, now, we need to watch Israel. We need to make sure that they prosecute this fight against Hamas in a humane way. No mention of the actual slaughter and what they did. Now they're worried about international law. <clears throat> Captain, you hear all this talk about how terrible it is that, the, that Israel shut off the water to Gaza. You've heard this is a common talking point, right? To try and dehumanize uh, Israel. Well, apparently, according to uh, Israel ceremonial president Isaac Herzog, Gaza only obtains 7% of its water from Israel. So this is a lie, too, to suggest that Israel is single-handedly. So you have to understand that Hamas wants to kill its own citizens. It wants to use its own uh, uh, citizens, Palestinians, as scapegoats. The more Palestinians that die, the better, because they'll use that as propaganda. So Hamas, it's in their best interest, because they're terrorist scumbags, to ensure that they inflict pain against the Palestinians. These are evil people. They don't care about the Palestinians. I mean, it's a, you know, Israel is like one of the, it's the only place in the entire Middle East where you actually have rights. You can be gay and live in Israel and not worry about getting shoved off a building or murdered. And yet here we are pretending like the Palestinians who literally will kill you if you're gay, that they, they, they're good? Is this some kind of joke world we're living in? Um, so, but here's the, the main takeaway from, from Barack Obama. So he, he, in, he is telling Israel to be careful and urging them, uh, he says, don't harden Palestinian attitudes for generations. Now, where, where are the Palestinians getting their hatred of the Jews? Well, they're getting it from the same place and sources that Americans learn to hate America and believe that this is a racist country. They're getting it from, you know, this left-wing mentality. It's being taught to them. They're indoctrinating their own children to perpetuate hatred forever. Just like in America, Democrats use public schools and other means to ensure that race relations get worse generation to generation. They keep the scab open. It's not Israel's fault. So, I, I, I mean, there's no equivocating here. This is incredible. So Hamas can go in and slaughter a thousand innocent Israelis. And Barack Obama is saying, well, you know, you Israelis need to be, be careful because how you respond could harden Palestinian attitudes for generations. Why doesn't he say this about Hamas? Huh? Why doesn't Barack Obama and the left say, hey, you people 
in Gaza. Don't harden Israeli attitudes for generations by slaughtering them. Do you see how sick and backwards and one-sided this is? And by the way, no Jew is calling for the eradication of Palestinians. On one side of the border, they have weapons up as self-defense. On the other side, they're trying to destroy and use their weapons to raise Israel to the ground. The Jews aren't saying death to Palestinians. It's the Palestinians who are saying death to the Jews, death to Israel, death to the West. So if there was any doubt in your mind that Barack Obama wasn't a Muslim, anti-Semitic bastard, well, now you've been reminded again that he is one of the worst pieces of excrement on the world stage. <clears throat> uh, and then we've got Cube Cut 2, Captain. Here's uh, who I talked about last time, Mehdi Hassan, another anti-Semite on MSNBC. I want you to listen to this exchange. Again, more of the same. MSNBC devoted to anti-Semitism. Mehdi Hassan, the leading MSNBC voice of anti-Semitism. Here he goes, more of the same. Play it, Captain. Good evening, Eamon. Hey, good evening, Mehdi. It's great to see you. I was going to say that interview with Congresswoman uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez was, uh, I thought it was very revealing. And and it's something you and I know we've talked about in the past. And and that has to do with um, the dehumanization of Palestinians. I thought one of the moments that stood out to me in that interview was when the congresswoman talked about arriving to Congress uh, and just hearing the, the, the lack of interest or the lack of care, if you will, about the Palestinian yeah. issue, something that I have always said is at the forefront of the situation in the Middle East. If that is not resolved, other issues don't get resolved. But uh, it was quite uh, powerful, I would say, to hear her talk about how uh, Palestinian voices, Palestinian lives are, are reflected in Congress, among other members uh, of, uh, of Congress and her party. Yeah, and she said that even in response to my question, pointing out that almost, I think all of the 18, almost all of the 18 House Democrats who've called for a ceasefire are people of color. And I wonder, I just wonder whether that's part of the equation, that you have more diversity in Congress and more empathy uh, for people in the Middle East who maybe don't look like us or who we're not familiar with. But look, the media has a role to play in this too. Jesse Waters on Fox earlier this week said one of the most anti-Palestinian, even by Fox standards, racist rants I've heard. Have a listen. I don't think we can have a Palestinian state at this point. I've had it with the Palestinians. I've given up on the Palestinians. If I was in Israel, I wouldn't be talking about a Palestinian state right now. I don't think Joe Biden should be talking about a Palestinian state right now. And I don't like how people tried to differentiate between the Palestinians and Hamas. To me, I see people with guns. That's Hamas. The people without the guns are the Palestinians. They believe the same thing. The Palestinians hire Hamas to run their government. Amen. one falsehood after another, one smear after another. Palestinians, one of the few minority groups left. So Jesse Waters was on point. Everything that Jesse Waters said is 100% correct. Now, I would remind you that I believe in 2005 it was, the Israelis handed over the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians. They make the concessions every time. And what is Gaza being used as? a launching place for rockets to kill Israelis. You cannot have a two-state solution. There's only a one-state solution for the Palestinians, and that is the eradication of Israel. Palestinians are a group of people that believe that they that, 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 that Israel is occupying their land. Their, their beliefs are so incorrect and so radical that their only solution and their only belief is that is this to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. This is what they believe, and they are run by a terrorist organization. Now, the Palestinians can pretend to hide behind Hamas all day long, but there is no difference. Hamas and Palestine are one in the same. And those individuals, whether you want to, I mean, Yeah, the children are indoctrinated to believe this, but that's what they believe. And this is backed up by Iran, who funds them. So it's a huge problem in the the Middle East. So to entertain the idea that there should be Palestine or a Palestinian state is a joke. Why would you create another terrorist state 
in the Middle East. It's stupid. It's stupid. But, you know, there's, there's, you know, Mehdi Hassan. I just, I, I, I can't believe how sick this is. I mean, you are seeing who the Democrat Party is, though. You know, the, the anti-Semitic mask is off the face. And you notice how Mehdi Hassan tries to associate people of color, whether they're black or whatever, that they are, you know, non-white people. Oh, yeah, maybe they're in solidarity with the Palestinians because they can relate to their skin complexion. Captain, what color are the Israelis? You know, p- people want to pretend like the, 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 the like, you, you notice how they do this, though, in this false narrative? So Jews and people in Israel, they're Middle Eastern. Je- Jesus was Middle Eastern. And they want to pretend like they're white people. Right? This is the narrative. So Palestinians, BLM, black people, they're all the oppressed. But Jews and people in Israel, they're just like the white people in America. So Mehdi Hassan here trying to correlate the two and suggest that people of color in Congress that are pro-Hamas, maybe it's because they too are persecuted. They too are racial minorities. Unbelievable. Anyway, I want to move on. I'm sick of this topic, to be honest, Captain. I just, I mean, it's important, but I just can't do it anymore. Um, you know, pull up that photo first, Captain, and I'll conclude with this. I want you, I want to show you how terrifying the situation is in the United States of America. So this was a Harvard Caps, Harvard Harris Caps poll done recently. And I just want to point out a couple of things. So the headline of this poll of the findings says, voters say the killing of 1200 civilians is not justified. But the grievances of Palestinians and the attacks on Jews are genocidal. Now, that's only part of the story. Because if you look at the age range, 18 to 24, 51% of individuals in America, 18 to 24 years old, believe that Hamas's attack slaughtering 1,200 civilians was justified. So a majority of 18 to 24-year-olds believe that the slaughter of Jews by Hamas was justified. Just let that sink in. Now, the second question, do you think that the attacks on Jews were genocidal or not genocidal? 62% of 18 to 24-year-olds say the attacks on Jews were genocidal. So when you put these two questions together, you learn that a majority of 18 to 24-year-olds in America believe that genocide against the Jews is justified. Does that make sense, Captain? And these are the same people that hate MAGA, by the way. By the way. Uh, All right, let's get into Joe Biden, what nobody wants to talk about. Um, so the goalposts continue to shift in the continuing Biden crime family saga. Now we know that Joe Biden is one of the most overt criminals to ever serve as president of the United States and certainly in government. We know that he's compromised. We know that he's guilty. We know that he's committed treason. We know all these things to be true And yet nothing short of a confession from Joe Biden at this point is going to be enough, according to the Democrats and the media. We went from Biden didn't talk to his son about foreign business dealings to, well, Biden may own, but he wasn't involved. And then we went to, well, Biden may have been involved, but you can't prove he personally benefited. Show me the money, they said. Well, now Republicans have said, well, hey, here's a $200,000 check that his brother sent him in 2018. There's the money. You asked for the money. And now they say, that's nothing. That's nothing. It's a loan. So this is, this is wild. I, I've got a, an article here from uh, Jonathan Turley to explain a little bit of this. So I'll just 
get some pull quotes from that for you to understand what's going on. Now the left is going, so what happened? Well, let me see if I can find it here. Da, 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 da. Okay, here we go. So great piece. It was in the Hill with Jonathan Turley. Headline, where's the money? Biden demanded. The House Oversight Committee just found some. So, of course, yes, this has been the latest talking point, right? Prove that Joe Biden knew about the business dealings. We proved it. Then they say prove that, you know, show us the money. Show us the money. Well, the House Oversight Committee released evidence of one transfer uh, that demonstrates this. The payment occurred in 2018 after the president's brother $100,000 from a company called AmeriCorps. James, Biden's brother, has long criticized raw influence peddling, and AmeriCorps was one of the companies where he had reportedly suggested access to sell his brother. So on March 1st, 2018, AmeriCorps wired James the money to his personal rather than his business account. And on that very same day, James wrote a check in that same amount to the personal bank account of his brother, Joe, who had left office as vice president and was widely discussed as a possible candidate for president. All right. So, so in summary, AmeriCorps writes James Biden, Joe Biden's brother, a check for $200,000. And then James Biden on the same day writes a personal check to Joe Biden for $200,000 and says it's for a loan. Now, there's no indication that Joe Biden loaned him any money. The money came from AmeriCorps. So we see this clever scheme and way it's paying out. And this is how it happened all over the place with money. And it's not that clever and it's not that complicated to understand. Now, the media is using this terminology loan to suggest that it was a loan. It was not a loan. It was a way of siphoning money. So AmeriCorps wants to secure uh, a loan, I believe, and help in, uh, you know, attaining financing in the Middle East. So they're not going to pay Joe Biden directly for that. Instead, they pay James Biden, Joe Biden's brother, and then James Biden gives the money to his brother and calls it a loan. So it's not that complicated. It's not that clever. But of course, the media thinks that you're stupid. Now, you are not, but Democrats are very stupid because they don't want to believe for an instant that their entire worldview is a lie, that the media has lied to them, that they are supporting a genocidal party, the Democrat Party, who hates the Jews and hates MAGA and hates this country and their policies are destroying it and it's intentional and they've been supporting this party all along, thinking that the Democrats are a party of good, do-gooders, when they're not. So anyway, Turley goes on and says, loans have long been a source of controversy with the Bidens. IRS whistleblowers, for example, detailed how Hunter took massive payments from corrupt foreign sources and listed them as loans, despite no evidence of repayments. You understand? They're, they're saying, oh, here's a loan. But it's not a loan. It's like me giving Captain a million dollars. And I write loan on the check. That's a personal check to him. And yet I never ask him to pay it back because it's not actually a loan. I'm just calling it a loan when it's a salary. It's so simple. I, I just, it's amazing how complicated this seems for people to understand. So this is what they did with Hunter Biden. They're doing it with Joe Biden. Nobody paid them back. Hunter, in Hunter's case, he didn't even pay taxes on it, right? Hence all the lawsuits and issues with the IRS. Now, Turley points out that even if Joe Biden did loan almost a quarter of a million dollars to his brother, it would raise concerns over whether this disbursement came while he was vice president. The payments could have given Joe Biden an interest in not just the influence peddling of his brother, but also the viability of this company. Now, the White House is insisting that it was a loan to his brother that was repaid. 
but they won't show us any evidence of it being an actual loan. If it's a loan, show us, show us. And if it wasn't, it would constitute a payment from an influence seeking company to Joe Biden, which is what it was. So, you know, these payments, they show the fluidity of the accounts and finances of the Biden influence peddling operation. This is selling the Biden brand, his influence. And you know, it's funny, the, the, the media, as I was pointing out, Turley points out too, they have been dismissing this corruption scandal and they recently adopted this, this line of defense that says, well, you know, Hunter and his associates were selling influence, but it was an illusion of influence. And here we have Joe, they said, show us Joe, even though it wasn't necessary to prove this, to show that Joe Biden was corrupt and guilty, the media was saying, well, show us evidence that Joe Biden directly received money. Show us that. And then we'll talk about an impeachable offense. Well, now we have it. Here's the $200,000 check that you've been asking for. So Joe Biden's claiming he had to give James a quarter of a million dollars. And it appears now that James received $600,000 in quote loans from AmeriCorps, even while the company didn't have any money, they were struggling. So you understand what's happening here. AmeriCorps is desperate. AmeriCorps needs the intervention of somebody with influence in the government to help them secure deals to keep the company afloat. And amidst this, they start sending money to James Biden, who then writes checks for the identical amounts to his brother, Joe Biden. Is it clear what's happening here? So the media is going to move the goalpost again. I mean, influence peddling is corrupt. These benefits to the Biden family, they're already sufficient for criminal charges. I mean, if you think about it, they're, they're trying to prosecute Bob Menendez, the Democrat senator. So is it not infuriating, Captain, to see all of this evidence? It's right there in front of our faces. We know exactly what's going on. It explains so much about the foreign policy failures of this administration because they don't care about doing what's in the best interest of the U.S. They're just doing what they've been bought off to do by foreign governments and other companies. There is no loyalty to the United States of America. And all of this, of course, is akin to treason. And if we were honest about what's really happened in this country, we would have the environmental Nazis finally having justification for their concerns because we would need so many trees to build so many gallows to hang so many people for trees in this country that we would actually have a concern about a lack of force. That's how deep this corruption goes. So anyway, all right. $200,000. Here it is. Here's the check you've been asking for. Ah, yeah, no, 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 no. Joe Biden didn't confess. He hasn't confessed yet. But we got to get Trump. I, I, I want to update you on this. We haven't talked about this in a little while. But, you know, we had Jenna Ellis, who's the latest turncoat. And Captain and I were talking about this before the show. He asked me if I... If I suspected or knew, if I was surprised by Jenna Ellis, uh, cue up that cut, Captain, cut three. I I'll just play this for you first, and then we'll talk about it. So Jenna Ellis has joined Sidney Powell in uh, pleading guilty, right, to avoid uh, more severe sentencing and so on and so forth. So she's bent the knee, and she has now joined forces with the Democrats to try and get Trump. So go ahead and play her. This is her, uh, a little bit of her testimony. Um, go ahead, Captain. As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously. 
and I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. In the wake of the 2020 presidential election, I believed that challenging the results on behalf of President Trump should be pursued in a just and legal way. I endeavored to represent my client to the best of my ability. I relied on others, including lawyers with many more years of experience than I, to provide me with true and reliable information, especially since my role involved speaking to the media and to legislators in various states. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. I believe in and I value integrity. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. I look back on this whole experience with deep remorse. For those failures of mine, Your Honor, I have taken responsibility already before the Colorado Bar who censured me. And I now take responsibility before this court and apologize to the people of Georgia. Thank you. Now, don't fall for the Minnie Mouse Act. Uh, I am a Christian. And, you know, I, I can't stand this about her. And people that do this are generally not great Christians. Just, just so you know. People who constantly say, oh, this is a Christian. You know, it's like... It's like, blah, 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 but I'm a Christian, you know, hiding behind this thing. Now, actually, what I said to Captain was pretty harsh against Jenna Ellis before the show. And I may come back to it, but I do strive as the Millennial Minister of Truth to, you know, look at both sides of things when they're worth looking at, when there's truth to both sides and things that I think are fair even whilst I have an opinion that might might contradict some of that. What I will say in quote-unquote defense of Jenna Ellis, before I <laughs> attack her, um, look, she, she is like many of the J6 defendants. Uh, this is what happened to Michael Flynn. You know, this is an abuse of the judicial system and judicial power. Um, it's mafia tactics and they really give people like Jenna Ellis and others very little choice, but to cop a plea deal. So they admit to being guilty of something that they didn't do. That wasn't even a crime because the judge is abusing their power and threatening this person and getting them to bend the knee. And so you know, if, if you're sitting there and you don't have a lot of money, you don't have resources, and the federal government or state government or judicial system and the power of the U.S. government is coming with unlimited resources and saying, you know what, there's a high likelihood that we can manipulate this so that you serve prison time. <clears throat> We're going to overcharge you. We're going to charge you for things that you didn't even do. We're going to make your life miserable and ruin your future and your life, but it doesn't have to be this way. Just admit to what we want you to admit, and in exchange, we'll let you off with a light sentence. <clears throat> now, you have to understand, too, like in the Sidney Powell case, she, the media reports she pleads guilty to XYZ. Now, she didn't plead guilty to everything that the media is accusing her of. Right, they're giving her misdemeanor options, for example, that she's pleading guilty to that are lesser sentences. And the media is running with this and saying she pled guilty. Yeah, but to what? What did she actually plead guilty to? But in the case of people like in J6, these people didn't actually, weren't guilty of an insurrection. They weren't guilty of any of these things. But they have to build this narrative. And so the way they do it is they accuse the J6ers of this stuff. They put them in the gulags. They essentially torture them. And they say, well, stop the torture if you just agree that you committed treason. You know, in broad strokes, I'm telling you what's happening. And so the media has that narrative reinforced, right? Oh, J6, well, they, they admitted guilt. They didn't have another choice. <clears throat> so this is what the left is doing with these cases. Now, Jenna Ellis 
It's not a crime to question election integrity. And there you have her. I express remorse. I believe in election integrity. She doesn't believe for a second that the Democrats didn't steal the 2020 election. She knows they stole the 2020 election. She was fighting it in 2021, long after the 2020 election was over and decided and so on and so forth. Even after J6, she was fighting it. But for whatever reason, she's got thin skin. She thinks she can find, uh, climb up the ladder uh, on the DeSantis campaign or somewhere else. She burned the bridge with Donald Trump. So she chose to alienate herself and throw her eggs in a basket with a loser, DeSantis, I mean, he's not going to win. He's not going to be president. And frankly, his political future is very questionable after all this. He's damaged goods. Well, here she is. So I, I don't have a, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I guess for me, Captain, I have to explain again. I understand the enormous gravity of the situations America, America is in. So maybe ordinarily I'd have a little bit more sympathy for someone like Jenna Ellis. But I don't have any sympathy because the stakes are too high. And this is a very, very weak woman who, you know, I don't want to question her religious beliefs. No doubt in my mind, she believes that Jesus Christ is the son of God, died and rose for our sins, just as I believe. But this fake little Christian act, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of these people hiding behind their their faith. As a Christian, you know, like, what, what is that? What, why? What, what is that? Is that supposed to person? Oh, okay. You're stabbing Trump in the back. You're threatening to end the Republic and help the Democrats in their scheme to jail the political opponent and destroy the country. But you're a Christian. So what? Are you telling me that I should forgive you because of that? Because you're a Christian? Are you telling me that it's Christian to do what you're doing? How do you explain this? But there are a lot of false prophets out there today, Captain. A lot of people using their faith in Christianity to claim, for example, that DeSantis is the guy. Jesus spoke to me. He came down in a, in a, this is Steve Dace, by the way. Steve Dace. Yes, as, uh, as the, uh, the, the next prophet after Jesus Christ, me, Steve Dace, who somehow has an audience now, I went to church this Sunday and Jesus came down from the clouds and he spoke to me and he told me to come on this show today and to tell you that you're not a Christian if you don't support DeSantis. That's right. That's right. It's so easy. DeSantis is actually Jesus Christ's pick for candidate. And if you don't believe it, then you're going to hell. That's Steve Dace, by the way. And people listen to this guy, Captain. You know, normally I would follow the Reagan rule, you know, you don't, the 11th commandment. But, but these people are the enemy. But, but here they are again. I'm a Christian, so, uh, you know, listen to me. I'm Yeah, me too. Me too. And I'm just giving it to you the way it is. You know, I can separate the two. None of these candidates are Jesus Christ. But, you know, woe is Jenna Ellis. She spent the last year of her life viciously promoting leftist propaganda, attacking Trump, trying to destroy his candidacy. And I'm supposed to feel bad for her that Trump's not paying her legal bills. Where's DeSantis? Surely he can foot these, 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 these bills with his book sales. I'm sorry. I just, this is how I see it. The world becomes more and more black and white, the higher the stakes. And this is just where we are. This is where we are. So anyway, look, I point this out. This is going on. This is part of the scheme, but this isn't even the worst of it. You think that right now, I mean, we're focused on this case. This is how they're going to get Trump. No, 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 no. There's more. Here's a CNN article, Captain. Headline, opinion. If successful, this case could be the most dangerous to Trump's 2024 presidential run. And the case they're talking about is not this phony Fannie Willis witch hunt. It's not any of the Jack Smith cases. Do you know what it is? The case that may pose the greatest threat to Trump's candidacy in 2024 is not one of his criminal cases. Rather, it's a lawsuit in Colorado that not only saw some bad news for Trump last week, but also is scheduled to start trial this month. Which case is this, Captain? This is the 14th Amendment. This is Trump committed an insurrection. Uh Uh-oh. 
Another possible technical difficulty here. Don't know if I'm being recorded. Okay, yes, yes, you are. Uh, your yeah. audio was coming in and out there. So let's uh -oh. give that a try. Repeat again, talking about this case from the top. Which case is it? Okay, technical difficulties may or may not have had any of that brilliance uh, captured on audio there as it came in and out. So look, I've got a CNN article here. While we're all focused on Fannie Willis in these criminal cases, the Democrats are still scheming in other ways to prevent Trump from being elected president. The headline of the CNN piece here, opinion, if successful, this case could be the most dangerous of Trump's 2024 presidential run. Now, the case that may pose the greatest threat to Trump's candidacy is not one of his criminal cases. Rather, it's a lawsuit in Colorado that not only saw some bad news for Trump last week, but also is scheduled to start trial this month. This case involves a lawsuit initiated by a liberal watchdog group on behalf of six Colorado voters to disqualify Trump from holding office by way of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment over his role in events leading to the J6 attack on the U.S. Capitol. It seeks to block him from the 2024 primary ballot in Colorado over the amendment's provision disqualifying from future office U.S. officials who have taken an oath to uphold the Constitution if they have engaged in insurrection and or given aid or comfort to insurrectionists. You realize that if Trump is taken off the balance in a state, he can't win, right? This is clear. So here's what they're doing. Now, 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 now look, you don't need to feel hopeless about this. This inevitably will go to the Supreme Court. This, this is destined to, for the Supreme Court if this proceeds. But um, the Colorado District Judge, Sarah Wallace, well, she rejected three arguments by Trump and the Colorado GOP to dismiss the case. So she's going to push this forward. And <coughs> Wallace, she's trying to cite a, 2020, a 2012 opinion from Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch who, you know, wasn't a Supreme Court justice back then, of course. This is when uh, Gorsuch was a federal appellate judge. And in that case, Gorsuch wrote that states do have the legal authority to exclude from the ballot candidates who are constitutionally prohibited from assuming office. Now, that's fine and well, but here they are bastardizing it by trying to say that Trump committed an insurrect. He was an insurrectionist, committed treason, right? So therefore, Colorado can choose to prevent him from being on the ballot. So this is what they're pushing. Now, Colorado's the first place they're testing this. Now, undoubtedly, they have a judge. They have a situation that they think is amenable to this. Now, if this goes through in Colorado, they're going to try this in other states. And of course, they'll use this as precedent to push these cases in other states. So obviously, you'll see this go to the swing states where you have a lot of Democrat control like Michigan with Whitmer and so on and so forth, and, and they may try and follow this as well. They'll look at the state constitution, which suggests that, rightfully so, somebody who's a traitor can't, you know, the state can actually prevent that person from being on the ballot, and they will claim falsely that Trump is an insurrectionist or harbored insurrectionist, supported insurrectionist, and therefore they can abuse and bastardize that provision to take him off the ballot. So basically, you're not allowed to vote for Trump in these Democrat-run states. This is unprecedented again, I would remind you. This is insane. So this goes on. I mean, it's all BS based on this absurd premise. I mean, I've never seen such creativity. By creativity, I mean invented laws lying about what the laws are, going back to the 18th century, the 19th century to find these obscure laws and provisions that have to do with the Civil War and trying to apply them to Donald Trump. 
So the opinion writer ends, to those who think it's undemocratic to ban officials from the ballot if they're found to have violated the 14th Amendment, I have two responses. First, it's far more undemocratic to engage in an insurrection. Second, we can't ignore the conditions clearly imposed on candidates set forth in the U.S. Constitution. So you notice these lunatics on the left. In the name of tyranny and totalitarianism, they're so democratic. Yes, yes, to save democracy, we have to end democracy. That's right. To, to promote freedom, we have to take away all your freedoms. This is the idea of the tyrant. So keep an eye on that. Now, a couple amazing things. The feds have warned that Hamas and Hezbollah could be crossing the southern border. Now, no doubt they're here. Other hosts have talked about this and, and they've said, you know, very, very clearly, they're here. They're already here. And that's true. But is Joe Biden and the Democrats, are they doing anything about the border situation right now, Captain, that you know of? Have they changed their policies? Are they securing the border and building a wall as we speak? Because now they're being told that Hezbollah and Hamas are now trying to infiltrate here? Of course not. We also know that the Biden administration has hired Iranian operatives in the U.S. government. I have never seen a greater country just intent upon committing suicide in my life and doing nothing about it. No outrage. I mean, let me repeat that. There are Iranian spies that we know of that are still serving in the Biden administration. That means they haven't been fired. In other words, Iran, who apparently we're going to go to war with at any moment, and who calls death to America, well, we have their spies in our government. We know who they are. We have their names. They've been found guilty, not in a court of law, but guilty in the sense of they did this. They've been working on behalf of Iran, our enemy, and the Biden administration is still allowing them to work in the government. But then again, we have a president who committed treason, and he's also not being impeached, so I'm not really surprised. Um, you know, I, I, we've got the speaker race that's, what do you think of this thing? This speaker race to me, Captain, it's just, it just gets worse and worse. Now, there are more people running for speaker now than there are that are currently qualified to debate in the next GOP debate hosted by NBC. There's more people vying for speaker in the Republican party than for the president of the United States. <coughs> Currently, uh, this, this next NBC-hosted debate, there are only three candidates that have qualified. It's Vivek Ramaswamy, it's Nikki Haley, and it's DeSantis. And at this point, it's such a disgrace that, frankly, any of these campaigns continue. Um... I mean, you know, they've been telling us that Trump can't win, he can't be the nominee, that it's only a matter of time till he falls in the polls, and he's only widened the gap. The gap's only widened. DeSantis is falling, he's losing steam, and yet he's still in the race, playing this fantasy that he has a chance. But it, it's Mike Pence, for example, this guy can't get six people to show up for a speech. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Like Mike Pence draws audiences that make Joe Biden's audiences look enormous. That's how bad it is. And so he hasn't even qualified for the third debate, but Mike Pence is going on TV with Meet the Press and he's still confident that he can win. I just, these are the people in the Republican, I mean, Mike Pence, oh yeah, 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 don't worry, you know, I mean, nobody wants me to be president, I can't even qualify for the debate, I'm not getting out of this bad boy, and this is what I'm talking about, the Mike Pence, Jenna Ellis, you know, people who bastardize Christianity, you know, we step forward out of the sense of duty, and it's carrying that message 
Bringing that experience forward that gives us great confidence, Pence said. So we're going to continue to drive forward to this campaign and continue to marshal the support of people. Nobody wants Mike Pence to be president. He's got no chance, but he's living in this delusional world where he thinks, again, Jesus Christ spoke to him in the middle of the night and said, you got to run, Mike. Yeah, yeah. All those people, the Republicans, they're all wrong about you. I just... The, the self-aggrandizing attitudes of these individuals is just sick. It's just sick to me. And of course, they don't put the country first. They put their own political ambitions first. Nobody wants you, Mike. Nobody. Just retire already. Retire already. All right. Well, <clears throat> that's all we have time for today. Um, I didn't get a chance to get to this story. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'd just like you to know that Biden's 2023 immigration flood, one migrant for every American newborn. So, replacement theory, that's not, that's, that's a, oh, really? Okay. Well, one to one. So every newborn American, there's one migrant, one illegal for every newborn American citizen. So anyway, all right, this is Jerron, your Millennial Minister of Truth. God bless you all. We'll get into the speaker race more tomorrow. Uh, until next time. Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of one your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Allen. Has Drew died Allen. Hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom.